Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This is episode 55 and today is June 8th. I'm meteorologist Jeff Orgeron joined by our chief meteorologist Mark Nelson. Hey Mark. Hey Jeff, how you doing? Good. Uh, you know, just wrapped up uh, another shift on Good Day Oregon, although Good Day Oregon still has another hour left. It's a long show. Um, Andy Carson's in the studio. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we've got just us today on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Camilla is going to be, I believe, working a long evening night shift, but she's also training in the mornings. And Katie is, I think Katie is off today, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, I think Camilla's flying somewhere today, right? She was headed oh, somewhere because I know I'm working for her this weekend. So she's not, oh. I don't think she's in the area or soon will not be in the area. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I, did, I didn't check the schedule very closely, but yeah. So those two are not in today, but they'll be back. At least one of them will be back next week, I believe. Um, Do you like so Mark? Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, really quick. I know, you know, part of our listeners are just listening maybe mm. in the car or from home. While right. others are tuning into the video aspect, which we started a week ago, which will air on YouTube and Fox mm-hmm. 12 now during the afternoons. Right. Um, so what's funny, if you're watching video, is Mark has quite the headphones set up. And, is... and let's be honest, I have kind of a blocky, large, bulb-sized head anyway. And and I couldn't find my – oh, no, I know. My, my, my wife went to the airport today, and so she took our not nice noise-canceling headphones and so I went through my daughter's room. She's not here. She's working. And so I'm like, I know she has headphones because she's a gamer. So I got this little setup. But man, these are like the biggest headphones. I feel like I'm a little top heavy. Yeah, this is what about half of the kids these days own. Yeah. She, yeah she'll find out that I used it. Yeah, it's okay. Well, uh, no, it, it, I think it's a good look. And I think our thanks. I think the viewers that are watching and listening are appreciating that that headset. So, um, Mark, we last time we spoke during the podcast last week, we were coming off of the warmest May on record. Uh, so that's, that's right. official. Portland just experienced the warmest May on record, or we all experienced it together, if you live in Portland. Yeah. And, uh, and June is off to a pretty darn warm start. I just uh, ran some of the numbers this morning, Mark. Um, when, mm-hmm. we, when we average the high temperatures and low temperatures together, we're running about four and a half degrees above a typical first week of June. Um, and that ranks, I believe, ninth. Um, I miscalculated earlier this morning looking at that X Mesa's tool. I know. Initially, I thought it was fifth, oh. but it was it was ninth. So we're in the top 10 warmest starts to June. So an unusually warm start. Every day has featured a high temperature above average. Um, and it's been super dry as well. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we have had big warm spells in early June. I remember one, I think it was 2003, we were hot for, for a few days, a heat wave east wind and all that. So yeah, it's pretty hard to get the, the uh, hottest first week of June. But yeah, it sounds like we were kind of close. I see we got a marine layer out there today, which is nice. A little cooler. Nice. Yeah, Are good. we going to stay in the 70s today? I forget what we were going yeah. for. I was off yesterday. Yeah, I, I put 76 for today in, in the metro oh. and then 73 tomorrow. It's going to be, <laughs> we're going to be banked in like all day by the marine layer tomorrow, it looks like. I see that. You know, I, I remember at one point, just like two days ago, we were thinking low 80s today. Because remember, we thought we were going to be 90 yesterday. Got so lucky with yes. the junior parade, right? I mean, yeah. I, like I said, I had the day off, but we had enough high clouds pass overhead. I looked, the temperatures were like 75 or 78 during that parade. So, yes, I'm sure it was warm, but it was not hot, which is yeah. good. 
Joe, Joe was talking about that. Joe Vathiathil, he was out there, you know, walking the parade route, interviewing people. And yeah, and I was watching too. The clouds lingered into the early afternoon and we were, I think around parade time, it was in seventies, low seventies um, with some cloud cover. But then the clouds cleared out yesterday afternoon. It went like from cloudy skies to blue skies. And right. that, you know, what's interesting, Mark, is the initial climate report that came in at about 5 p.m. yesterday posted mm-hmm. A uh, high of 82, but the final climate report at night came in and it posted a high of 84 degrees. So yeah, uh, I texted really you yesterday. Late. I was like, Mark, this is going to be a bust. This is going to be a forecast bust. Yeah, And I, we consider a forecast bust anything outside of three degrees, right? That's, sure, what you that's would, fair. Yeah. It, was, it was, you know, I was thinking more like six to seven, but it ended up only being four degrees. So not bad, not bad considering no, not bad. how cloudy. So um I love those late high temperatures when uh, we, we have to check because uh, it's just uh, kind of inside baseball here. Uh, we get a, a high and low temperature every six hours from the, they're called the ASOS sensors at the airports, the official recording station. So yeah, so we get it at 5 p.m. in the summer, but I see at that point it was only 82 and we're such nerds, but I guess that's why we're doing this. Um, and then, yeah, hit 84 somewhere after 5 p.m. before five. A second report comes out at 7.20, just like a separate climate report. So that's what right. I saw. It. And I thought, oh, we made it to 84. How cool. Kind of. Yeah, I, went, I was out there watering the garden at about five o'clock and I was like, yep, it's getting warm. It's getting warm again. Yeah. Um, sure. So I was actually, yesterday, Mark, I was looking at some of the, and I, I double checked the, the data this morning about our 90 degree days. And what do we mm-hmm. mean by that? We mean days that we hit or exceed 90 degrees. It could be in the triple digits as well. That counts. Um, So I was looking back at some of our recent years and some of the years that we had the most 90 degree days. So I'm going to talk Uh about 2015, 2018, Uh and 2022 last year. All right. Well, I don't like any of those. Yeah, I know. So 2015, we had 29 days at and above 90. 2018 was a record year. We had 31 days at and above 90. Yes. And then last year we did it again. We had 29 days at and above 90. So 29 oh. to 31. Um, so I bring this up because we have already reached the 90s or greater six times this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. As of, right. as of, I'm, I'm staying with you. I'm with you. Keep going. All right. In, 20, in 2015, we had only done it once by this time. Oh. In 2018, we had only done it once, that record year this time. And then in oh. 2022, last year, we had not hit the 90s yet. So we are like, we are way ahead of schedule with these 90 degree days. Um, now, having said that, I don't see a lot coming in the next week or so. Um, we may we may hit 90 one time next week. I think Monday should be our warmest day. Maybe. Yeah, we may not. We may not. Um, but it, it's been a really warm stretch. Mid-May through the first week of June – it's been unusually warm and unusually dry. And I know you were looking at some of the data, how dry it's been mid-May to almost mid-June. You want to yeah. kind of elaborate on that? Uh, we've had no measurable rain since May. If we just go mid-May to mid-June, let's call it May 16th to June 15th, right? And uh, what day is today? Today's the 8th. So May we 8th. have, oh, next week. So next, uh, we're recording this on Thursday. You may be watching on Friday. Um, so next week, so next Thursday, if we don't get rain by then, Wow, that's possible. We get no rain. If that happens, that would be a no measurable rain for a month. And we've never had that occur from mid-May to mid-June, no measurable rain at all. I think we've had, I don't have the graphic in front of me, but I think it was just 
like a few, maybe like a tenth or two tenths of an inch where the, where the driest period. So this is right like top tier dry for mid-May to mid-June. And that's why suddenly we're seeing little brush fires. I walk out in the woods around my house. It feels like it's, you know, early July. The garden's bone dry. Everything's dry out there. So um, yeah, yeah, we should be treating Side everything like, uh, like it's summer, midsummer. Totally. Sides of the roads, everything's turning brown and, you know, all the grass and whatnot. Um, not like, I'm talking like near the median and, you know, just sure. the immediate sides of the roads. And um, it, it does have the feeling like we're already in July. Uh, and we, I think one or two podcasts ago, we were reflecting on a discussion that some of the local fire experts and climatologists were having regarding the possibility of a delayed fire season because of the snowpack and the higher soil moisture and, um, you know, things like that. But boy, do things change quickly when you go through a stretch of abnormally warm conditions and right. bone dry weather as well. So Jeff, can you see, are we sharing the GFS right now? Can you see that? I think I hit the screen yeah. share. Yeah. And for our viewers that are just listening, mm -hmm. um, we're going to, we're, we're, we're using more video now. We're more, we're describe using video it. now. Yeah, yeah no, I'm not going to describe. I'm going to let you describe it. But what we're doing right now is we're popping up a graphic. It's one of our weather graphics that is showing the upper level weather pattern. So for the folks that are watching from YouTube or watching from Fox 12 now, you're getting the opportunity to see what we're going to kind of show here. But we're going to try our best to explain for just the audio listeners as well of what we're yeah. talking about. So go ahead. Mark. Yeah. So this is just a map. This is the, the GFS, you know, it doesn't matter. All the models kind of look the same here. This sh shows a wind speed up a jet stream level. This is 200 millibars, which means it would be, uh, I don't 30, know, 30,000 feet 30, up. 30, 35,000 feet. Yeah. Somewhere in there uh, about where the jets are flying. So when you see the higher wind speeds, that's a jet stream. And of course, jet stream is pretty weak this time of the year, right? Uh, this is right now. And what you notice is I can't really draw on here, but if you, you see where the, uh, the bright colors are, there's a jet, kind of a streak there going through Southern California, Northern Mexico. And you also see one kind of far south. Typically we have high pressure over the desert Southwest and there's not much going on. And if you look how, look how we will go through in time. So there's a little upper level low actually over Nevada right now. It's been over California. They've been complaining about the clouds and the rain, right? Um, but look how we go through tomorrow and then Saturday. Here comes another upper level, let me back up right there. Sunday, there's still something down there. And then it does change a little bit next week. We do see, this is the middle of next week. We do see kind of a weak jet forming here, but look at next Thursday. So this is a week out. We've got a weak jet just north of us, but then look at that. There's another upper level low off the California coastline there. And uh, that's unusual, Jeff, we would agree. That's kind of unusual. And it kind of looks like, I hesitate to say it, but that's kind of an El Nino pattern in the winter, a split sort of flow like that. I have to agree with you. And um, you know, you said that this time of year, we typically have ridging and heat waves potentially setting up over the desert Southwest and things. I mean, heat waves, it's typical for this time of year. It's not necessarily a heat wave, but um, no, it's, it's, it's unusual to see this persistence, like the, the reformation of the upper level lows. It's sure. Um, and, kind of and, on that, and on that note um, today, NOAA, the national oceanic and atmospheric administration announced that they have issued mm -hmm. an El Nino advisory. So El Nino is happening officially and it's expected to strengthen in the coming months. And um, so I think let's, let's break down again for the viewers. What is El Nino? Cause every time I post about it, Mark, mm -hmm. people are asking, what is it? What does it mean for us? You know? So 
Go ahead. Hey, Jeff, I saw on our, on our app right here, it said, uh, El Nino, what does it mean? You must have done that this morning. I did. Uh, yes, very good. Uh, by the way, if you, if you need a good weather app, we are active on that thing. It's the Fox 12 weather app. That's you right. can search for it on your app store. We send out personalized videos for our area, um, update the forecast multiple <laughs> times a day. Except it's, it's last summer. Except last summer when I sent out the sea service temperatures like every day and people got tired of it and said, leave us alone. Or was that on Twitter? Stop sending out the sea service temps. I had an automated product and there was this email chain between three of us that said, stop sending out the sea service temperatures. I know the ocean's cold. Stop. Leave me alone. So, folks, we try not to over push our, our information, yeah. but uh, we try to get the interesting stuff. Um, but, yeah. So uh, what, what were we talking about? So track. really quick, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what El Nino is and then right. I'll let you kind of branch out and we can both kind of go over what it means for our weather pattern. So El Nino, we look at the Pacific Ocean as a whole. And if you look at the east side of the Pacific Ocean, closer to Mexico, Central America, the eastern equatorial Pacific Ocean is warmer than average this time of year. The sea surface temperatures are experiencing Anomal anomalously warm conditions. See, and it's all about the sea surface temp sea surface temps, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it always comes back to that, right? No, but oh, in sure. it, 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 that 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 warming on this side of the ocean, as opposed to the west western Pacific Ocean, that would be a La right. Nina phase, which we've had the past three years. The warming mm -hmm. on the east side of the Pacific Ocean can have ramifications. It can mm -hmm. have effects on the jet stream and our weather patterns here in North America and on the West Coast. So, and globally, frankly, but. Um, let's talk about like the Pacific Northwest and, and we're going to reconnect it to what you just showed on that upper level weather pattern. Yeah, we did. What we tend to see is uh, in El Nino winters, each one is different, but in El Nino winters, we do tend to see more splitting of the jet well offshore of us, more energy goes into California, but it also, we tend to get an upper level high over like Western, Southwestern British Columbia, just North of us more often during the winter. So that would mean also that we have more of the jet going up to the north, you know, through like the Yukon and then dropping south into the central part of the USA, basically bypassing us. So a lot of El Ninos here are a little warmer than normal, a little drier than normal. And in that pattern, we, we would have stagnant periods in the winter often, which would give us, you know, a cool east wind. So that can be kind of balanced out for the Portland area. A lot of El Nino winters are about average or maybe just slightly above average. But we just tend to have more dead periods is what I've noticed with, with most El Ninos, not all. And Jeff, here's another one. I was just reading an interesting thing about this from, um, it was from the Weatherbell folks. I think it was Weatherbell, yeah. Um, that th there are strong hints from models that the, uh, the core of the warmest water may shift into the central Pacific in the next few months. Um, and if so, that's called a modoki, a modoki. It's a Japanese term. It means, I think it means middle or it means something. But when we have those winters, it listed off the winters. And I'm like, oh my gosh, every single one of those was one of our like bust winters for uh, snow in the mountains. It was one of those really dry El Nino winters. I thought that was interesting. So if the core of the warmer water is more of the central Pacific, we tend to get more ridging over the Northwest and Western Canada. So we'll see. I mean, all this, you know, is subject to change, but we may have a boring winter ahead or we may have a wet and just kind of a mild, wet and stormy winter. The chance for like several episodes of snow is pretty low. We can get snow or we can get an ice storm easily in, in any winter, but the chance is definitely lower in these during these upcoming winters. And another winter, way to look at this is, you know, Mark and I, other meteorologists and climate, climate scientists can look back at data dating back mm -hmm. decades and decades. And we can look at El Nino years. We can look at La Nina years and we can see what happened say in the Pacific Northwest during those El Nino years. 
And more often than not, in those years, we've had warmer than, than average or mild conditions, drier than normal conditions. Right. Unfortunately, the snowpack can suffer in those years. So that's why like history tells us in an El Nino phase, it tends to lean that way. But there have been years that things have been different where we've had, you know, some snow events, good snowpack, things like that. And I think I've always heard, and this makes sense, that if it's a really strong El Nino, the southerly, that southerly jet that's often over California gets up over us more often. And we do get swamped with warmer, wetter. Those, those can be warmer and wetter than normal winters. So uh, then we get really, you know, lots of these southwest systems coming up from the southwest and lots more rain, mudslides. I think December 2015 was one of those. It was one of our wettest months ever. Did we have eight? Did that really happen? Did we have 18 inches of rain that month in Portland? Or did we? Didn't Man, that, we need that, to look that back at right. that. Am I just making stuff up? Either way, that was an incredibly wet December. Lots of mudslides. I remember that. So you and I were talking about this the other day. We were we were saying we we remember a lot of stats, but there's so much that we don't remember because there's so much that happens in weather, and we're you know every day is different. <laughs> Basically, there's only so much room up here, folks. And and if you add more facts in, something else has to get kind of you know pushed out. So if I think if I have to pull 2015 back in, I might forget what the forecast is for the next two days. Yeah, so exactly. To, I've got to manage the data in there somehow. And, yeah. and on that note, I remember growing up, I grew up in Southern California and I remember like hearing El Nino usually brings more rain to Southern California during the winter right. time. But I remember it was a La Nina year and we had a wet season and I exactly. was confused. And so like it can ha it can switch on you. So, but more often than not, this is how it leans. And so, um, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and how strong this El Nino does become. Um, and it can also do things to hurricane season in the Atlantic ocean. It can kind of bring more, we talked about this last week, the upper level wind can be stronger going over the Atlantic, the Gulf of Mexico. And right. as a result, the environment may not be as conducive for the formation of hurricanes. Um, True. So that's another thing that El Nino can do. It can have uh, effects globally. Um, Okay, let's switch subjects, Mark. A big talker this week, and for good reason, has been those darn Canadian forest fires. Um, yeah, initially, yeah. in in May, uh, they were breaking out up in Alberta, in Western Canada, and then they started shifting focus because of, I believe, thunderstorms that broke out in, in Eastern Canada, initially in right. Nova Scotia, and then in uh, Quebec. And now there is just, there are dozens, if not hundreds of forest fires um, out of control in Eastern Canada. And over the past couple of days, these massive plumes of smoke that unfortunately we are very familiar with here yep. in the Northwest, they have been just streaming down into the Midwest, the Great Lakes region and the Northeast, some big cities. We're talking New York city, right. um, uh, Washington, DC, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. The, the uh, just the pictures, it looks all familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Unfortunately. I just checked the air quality this morning. I'm sure you can find it on any national news or whatnot. But um, yeah, it was really bad again. 100s in the 200s, DC, that whole uh, metro area, the whole um, megalopolis from uh, DC up through uh, Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York. It looked like it might get better. I mean, I see they have an upper level low just to their east, which is bringing the smoke south. So they just need something to, they just need the flow to switch. So it's coming from the west or southwest. And then they should be clear like when we clear out. Yeah, I was updating the numbers every hour this morning on Good Day Oregon. I was noticing that like Toronto's numbers were starting to creep up because there was another plume kind of going off to oh, the, the west. Right. And then 
things were starting to gradually clear from north to south along the mid-Atlantic, like New York City. And But yeah, it was still really bad in New York City this morning in D.C. and Philadelphia. And, um, you know, it's just kind of an observation. I remember when our big fires were raging in 2020, and, mm-hmm. you know, around September, around Labor Day 2020. And initially, like our reporters would go out and just frankly, the, the general public was out and about and really not recognizing what they were breathing in. I mean, the the education factor about particulate matter is pretty low. And and for I mean, we most people have never dealt with raging wildfires and thick smoke, but now right. you have these you have millions of people in on the in the Northeast. I, I saw interviews on like, you know, some of the networks and things like that. And you've got folks complaining how their throats are scratching, their eyes are itchy, but they don't even have a mask on um, during these interviews. And it's, man, it's it's kind of blindsided a lot of people, I feel like, out on the eastern seaboard. I remember when we had, we were up in like the four, five, six hundreds even. Uh, and then it got down to two, after like days of that, I, when it got down to 200, I said, okay, I've got to take a run. I've got to exercise. And it was still like 250. I, I, there's that one of those purple air sensors up the road for me. And I, I remember later that day, I'm like, gosh, why do I not feel good? Well, that was dumb. Yeah. So it does affect you a little yeah. particles. And we have that great graphic. Uh, we don't have it here with us, but just how they, the, the small little particles can get into your lungs easier. So bad stuff. Forest yeah, fire is bad. I, I, yeah, exactly. And like these particles are so small that they get lodged in your lungs. They go into your bloodstream if you're breathing too much of them. And um, so, yeah, it, it, one more note. These fires are so – a lot of them are so big, Mark. And correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, but is it safe to assume that it's going to be very difficult for humans, you know, firefighters to actually put these fires out and to control them? Sure. They're, they're going to need a really favorable weather pattern to control these fires. I would assume – I was thinking like how do fires get going up there in, in, in Quebec, uh, that eastern part of Canada? Because they kind of have the humid continental climate that the east coast has. So – a lot of vegetation typically and, and, and wet thunderstorms typically and humid. So that's maybe why we rarely hear fires over there. I, I assume that's why. So I just assume the pattern needs to shift and they just need a little more rain. So maybe those will be naturally put out as we go into summer. Yeah. I mean, I they, I do, they do tend to get more, you know, showers and thunderstorms. Um, well, maybe not more, but they do, they get plenty during the, the summertime. So we'll, it, we, we hope that, the, the pattern will help them out in that firefight. But a lot of these fires will probably take weeks, if not months to actually extinguish. And so smoke is probably going to come in waves to some of these big, you know, metropolitan cities in the Midwest and the Northeast. Are you bringing up air quality right now? Nope. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready for the next segment, next section here. We're going to talk weather ahead. Yeah. Okay. So 20, okay. Let's switch subjects because we, we also need to kind of focus on our fire season out West. We've gone, 23 days and counting without mm-hmm. any rainfall in Portland. It kind of varies depending on where you're located. Um, but most areas have been dry for the past two to three weeks. Um, and Mark, it looks like you're taking a look at the high temperature <laughs> potential. And then you're also probably going to get into the rainfall forecast. Right, right. Or I can't tell, you know, folks, this is brand new software. We're very excited. We couldn't share, uh, we couldn't share maps and whatnot before. And so I couldn't tell when I pulled it up. It's like, do only I see it? Or as soon as I pull it up, does Jeff see it too? So that's why that, that's why the Euro Ensemble six hourly max temperature showed up in the middle of your fire discussion. I, I jumped <laughs> the gun just a bit. Just a bit. No, it's cool. I, I think people got the gist of the fires out in the Northeast. We'll probably be talking about that more later in the coming weeks. But let's, yeah, let's, let's focus back locally. Um, so big talker has been the heat. 
and the unusually warm conditions. Next couple of days are going to be cooler than actually layer. cooler, nice marine layer, but about, yeah. but about normal for this time of year, right? It's going to bring yeah. us back to typical early start of June. Um, yeah, we're only coming back to normal, folks. I mean, when you look at that seven days, like, oh, look, we can finally get back down to normal, unless the graph is right, and we're only in the upper sixties tomorrow. You saw that, right? Man, that marine layer on the graph looked thick, thick. So you see if that that's high? the case. It's only going I like did. 66 tomorrow. That oh, could I, happen. oh, I saw. Oh, I saw. You it, saw. It. Yeah. Which um, actually, let's let me let me throw that in. By the way, so uh, we choose models. Uh, we I mean, we use different models. We have what's IBM's graph model, which goes out to any TV station that uses our software from the weather company. That's an IBM Corporation company, um, and they have this graph model, which is what you're seeing. I mean, I'll just be honest. We're all friends here. Uh, three different TV stations in Portland are using the same. That's a graph model. Um, so am I allowed to say that? I didn't say what stations because our, no, you, our graph model yeah. looks better. We have a better co a contour palette, I think. Our, you our didn't narrow it down enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the last few weeks, it's like, why does it keep going for upper 30s in Portland? And then the low would be like 48 degrees. Well, I was on a, believe it or not, I'm on a graph task force. I bet you <laughs> wish you could be on the graph task force, Jeff. That and, is like top nerd level, but that's okay. Yeah. The task force, which means just basically people sitting on a call like this discussing what works with the model and what doesn't. And I said, how come it's been so cool lately, uh, especially mornings, but it's been forecasting cool. Generally, it's been too cool with the high temperature forecast. All right. And then we end up adjusting. And so what you see ends up being close to correct on, you know, what we forecast is fine, but we have to correct it. So they said, oh, they haven't been able to get like this land use model from NASA for the last three weeks, which sounds about right, Jeff, right? About three weeks back. Um, and so he, they know that's been, been giving that model a cool bias, especially at night, because it doesn't have the right vegetation for the time of the year. I thought that was fascinating. So that's something to consider with weather models is it's not just where is the high pressure, where is the low pressure, where, where are the precipitation and cloud areas. It's like the model knows what areas are urban uh, based on the input. It also knows what, what is, uh, what, what's the foliage like in the area? Is it dry or is it wet? Is the soil dry or wet? A lot of factors go into these weather models. So we just noticed that, but right here, this is the European. This shows the uh, 50 different ensemble members of the Euro. It's run twice per day, soon to be four times a day. But uh, you know what sticks out there, Jeff? What do, what do you see? What, what kind of sticks out? We've got a warm up, but what do you see? What do I see? I see um, a lot of warm colors on this graphic right that's one what, what's the other what day looks warmest it kind of sticks oh. out doesn't it yeah monday looks warmest isn't that interesting this is a great tool instead of just looking at one model and hoping that it's right we can look at 50 different versions of this model and it's pretty clear you see a sunday uh i can't yeah it's a sunday sunday afternoon and then monday clearly has the most hot temperatures or warmer very warm or hot and then kind of Tuesday and there's some sort of little cool off. And then there's more spread as we get farther out in time. You know, they, they kind of diverge because that's just how models do farther out in time. But I mean, if I was making a forecast today, I'd say, oh, Monday's the warmest day for sure of the next seven. Is that a fair assessment of how we use this? Totally, totally. And um, if you do you mind if I uh, chime in really quick? Yeah, of course. So uh, if you're if you're actually watching this video here, Mark said this is a view of the 50 ensemble members of the European model. If we were to just show what we call the deterministic model, the European model, it's just one solution. This is showing 50 different tweaks and things like that. It would be like having an orchestra. The tuba player nice. has a forecast. The trumpet player has a forecast. Nice. The saxophone player has a forecast. 
and then they're all brought together and then we can look at the solution as a whole. And um, it gives us kind of a broad idea, especially when we're looking outside of seven days, like 10 days, 14 days out, it gives us kind of a, a good idea of what could be coming. Because sometimes the operational model might show, for example, 95 degrees, and then you look here and all of them are, almost all of them are much cooler. And then we say, ah, we don't believe that operational hot ver version because most of the ensembles are cooler. So we actually, we use this sort of information quite a bit. Here's another version. Let's do the, uh, the rain. You ready for some rain? Let's see. Oh, please. Well, it's going to be kidding. hard. I've to already do. looked at it. <laughs> yeah, you've already seen it. Let me find it here. Here we go. It'll take a moment to share what you're going to see. This is um, this is a little bit different. This is just what we call a total QPF plume or total uh, precipitation forecast plume. And you're like, what the heck am I looking at? Well, it shows the next 15 days. Left left side is right now. Right side is two weeks out. That's the 22nd. All right. This is actually just in the south metro around Aurora. I just picked a point a little farther south than PDX. And the green line, green line there is the median. Oh, I'm sorry. Each of the little gray lines. I know you can barely see this on video, but hopefully that quality is good enough. Each of the little gray lines says how much rain uh, total it accumulates over those two weeks. Notice one little mod, one one of the 50 ensemble members says we have 1.75 inches of rain in the next two weeks, but only one. Every other ensemble member has what less than seven tenths of an inch of rain in two weeks. And yep. the vast majority are down there at the bottom. You see the real thick lines down there. And so if you take the mean, the average, uh, the average is between one and two tenths of an inch of rain in the next two weeks. That is amazingly dry, which tells yep. you, and this, this was higher. I think it was showing half an inch or more on the average just two or three days ago. So clearly there is no sign of a big soaking in the next week and a half for sure. So, I mean, just when I look at this, I go, ooh, I don't, I don't see we could use a, a cool wet spell in mid to late June before we go into, you know, summer, real summer. I don't see that. And June is already ranked as the fourth driest month of the year. But the second half of June, things really drop off. Like we, we tend to go much drier June 15th and beyond. Um, so we're kind of in like the final window of you know, right. probability of moisture. But um, I mean, things can happen. Weird things can happen in the middle of the summer, of course. Hopefully that does happen. But what Mark is probably trying to get at is our chances for a good soaking rain to put off fire season a little bit longer are dwindling. And and uh, we all kind of just need to be prepared for you know things to kind of ramp up in the next month or so. Yeah, that's true. I think we're about out uh, of time, aren't we? We are, we are, we, no. we, we talked a lot about weather. That is for sure. Um, so how is it, well, Jeff, how is it possible that two weather guys can get on and just chat like for a half hour straight? <laughs> we must really like this stuff. <laughs> I, I guess know. we like our jobs. We like our jobs. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So anywho, uh, enjoy the, I guess, more mild next couple of days. Uh, we'll see another warm up Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Monday being the warmest. And then we should kind of level off again heading into mid to late next week. Um, so we'll be back next week too with another episode of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. We appreciate you joining us either just audio or also by video. And we'll see you in about a week. See you later. Please tell us about